Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. This podcast is proudly brought to you by Monday Distillery, who makes sophisticated, elk-free drinks that still have all the taste of a good time. G&T without the tears, whiskey without the wobbles, and other delicious cocktails too. Switching the ritual instead of ditching the ritual is so much easier. Stay in high spirits, keep a clear mind, head to mondaydistillery.com for more. Are you sick of feeling controlled by alcohol? Do you want to drink less? Do you wake up on a Sunday morning feeling really anxious and full of regret? I'm Danny Carr and welcome to my podcast, How I Quit Alcohol. Hi and welcome back to How I Quit Alcohol. Today in the studio, I'm so stoked to have Hayley Halloran here with me. Hey Hayley, how are you? Yeah, well, thank you. This is really... um this has been a long time coming, this podcast, or having you on the podcast. We've known each other for a long time. You used to be the preschool teacher at, yeah. at Sonny's preschool, our uh, eldest daughter's preschool, you know, just staying in contact and seeing each other throughout the years. And then recently you said to me that you have been sober for some time now. And I was like, oh, get you on the podcast. So, yeah. Yeah. So how are you today? Yeah, I'm well. Yeah, yeah. Feeling good in your skin. I am. Yeah, it's good to finally be here doing this. Yeah, it's yeah. Really great to have you here. Um, yeah. So, tell us a bit about your story. I mean, I know a bit of your story, but not not too much, which is kind of cool. You know, don't know the depths of it. So, tell me, how did you get started with alcohol, and how yeah, how did that begin? How did that journey begin? Um, both my parents and grandparents on both sides of the family are alcoholics. Um, and many who actually identify as alcoholic. My mum has been in and out of recovery since I was born. So I grew up going to 12-step meetings. I should take you? Yeah. So, yeah, I've got, I've got like, I think my earliest memory of being at one, I was like four or five Oh, in the do, cross. Do kids yeah. often in the cross? Yeah. Wow, that would have been an experience. Yeah. What was that like? I wasn't really tuning into it, but I just remember the chairs and I remember, you know, the two, the, you know, the serenity prayer flag on one side and then the 12 steps on the other. And yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. What was that like? Because as a kid, I hated going to church. <laughs> was it like that? We was like, no, take me there. Um, I didn't, I didn't have a resistance to it. There was some, you know, quite cool people there. And I remember, you know, just being able to have hot Milos and lots of bickies and (laughs) I'd just like cruise around or go out and play in the garden and around. Like I wasn't, you know, it wasn't anything that I suffered through, Mm -hmm. but there would have been for sure, you know, information and things that went in and, you know, learning about alcoholism and the isms of it and all the different things. So when I actually picked up my, the first time I ever like tasted and had the big hit of alcohol, I was 15. 
my pop used to sneak, you know, sips of beer and do that, you know, Australian culture hideous barbecue thing that we do. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was Sam Booker at my grandparents' place with a girlfriend and we just wrote ourselves off. And I just loved the feeling of, uh, I think, the numbness and just what it did to my body. Mm-hmm. And then it was just, I would say, like, you know, quite common binge drinking for a couple of years. Then when I turned 17, I left home quite young. I was 16 when I left home and put myself through grade 10 and 11. I didn't quite make it through to grade 12 because I just wanted to get out into life. Mm -hmm. But when I was 17, I started taking drugs as well. Wow. Yeah. And I could just, there was something inside myself that I could see that I kind of didn't like. And I had this thing of like, oh, shit, my parents are alcoholics. My grandparents are alcoholics. I wonder if I'm going to be. And then... And that didn't stop, obviously. It didn't didn't stop me, but that Mm -hmm. was there. So, and I know that that would have come from, you know, going to those meetings and just being in and around my mum, who's, you know, been in recovery for a long time. So I... It was just there and would float in and out. My 18th birthday was a massive event. Mm -hmm. And a month later, I was completely out of it, drunk and high, driving a car with two people bonnet surfing. Oh. And I came up and around a corner. It was in Angauri, Mm -hmm. heading up Pacific Street, up and on this big right, and they both came off. Oh, and you were driving. And I was driving. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. And it was, yeah, they ended up in hospital. It was touch and go. It was like a, a pretty dramatic situation that happened. And I remember when I got to hospital and I saw them and just, you know, I I just had the realisation that I, I, I this, is, this is just too far. You know, I had one eye open driving and oh. it just the insane things that we do in that time and it was just too far so I got clean and then spent the next eight years in AA and NA myself well at 18 you went into yeah far out because I had a guy on just recently Patrick who's 29 and or 28 28 or 29 Mm. and I thought wow that was young but that's young (laughs) 18 wow I just want to interject there a really good friend of mine Sarah she was bonnet surfing, a similar situation. A friend of ours was driving. She was on the bonnet. They were going down a hill and they were stoned. I don't know if they're drunk, but they were definitely stoned. And um, the person, the friend of ours that was driving put the windscreen wipers on and, and Sarah went flying and she's a dancer. She's a mm. ballet dancer. She'd been was studying dance at the time and broke both of her wrists and both of her, both of her wrists, both of her ankles cracked her skull ended up in hospital for, and it was just so horrific yeah. same thing kind of thing yeah. yeah you know what was so insane is when I went into the hospital and I looked at um I looked at Will and he actually it cut him on he he opened up he had some big gashes but I had this moment I mean I shouldn't laugh but I can now and he does as well too but it was it cut him and it was a question mark on his forehead oh, and stitched up and it was just I like, the, no, I know, but it is, I mean, it's the insanity of what we do. And I just had, and I just remember looking and, and I was just like, yeah, like, what am I doing? Like, what is that question? What am I doing with my life? I've almost just killed two people. Yes. They've got their part to play. They got, they were also out of it. There's, you know, and it's just, yeah. So then that just propelled me into the rooms and I just was like, okay, this is my focus now. I just need to be clean. I do not want to repeat the pattern that my parents mm-hmm. had done and what I'd seen, you know, through numerous other friends and family members and just went, okay, it's a clean and sober life for me. It's these life, it's these moments in life that can, that are so horrific, that can change us. The man I had on last week, his name's Steve, and he was just out of control with his drinking, didn't even question it. He was just just yeah. full on and he ended up having a, a huge car accident rolling his car with his six-year-old son in the back mm. and it was that moment he just you know the next day he just said to his son I promise you and he broke down on the podcast to telling me repeating it that I'll never drink another drop as long as I live and he hasn't yeah. he hasn't since that was 14 years ago and mm. it, it, he said it was the worst night of his life but it 
change it saved his life as well yeah yeah wow so okay so you you did the you did the 12 steps for for that yeah quite a few years and sort of got yeah yourself. like I mean in all in all because I was 27 I was about to turn 28 when I it started for me I started drinking it I had a joint first and when then I started again yeah 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 mm-hmm. it was just I think I'd because I'd gone in I was 18 and since I was very young I was always like dead set on I wanted to have a young family a family when I was young I had this like this whole plan mm-hmm. and um, I just then set out to do it so I got clean at 18 and then six months later I was pregnant and wow. getting married and doing all the things what yeah really Shit. young totally planned and just moved to Mullumbimby and finished studying all my early childhood Steiner things and doing I've you know had strong interests in numerous different fields and I just yeah went into that realm and I think what happened is when I turned 28 something just shifted in me and I just didn't like how I was this I felt like I'd become quite judgmental and rigid and just these things and it was just like god I didn't get to enjoy my 20s like I did babies I've been clean I just had this moment of fuck it Mm -hmm. happened Mm -hmm. and you hit the fuck it button I hit the fuck it button and like yeah and I like pressed really hard for a period of time and um it's funny you know I just thinking about it and just before we got started doing this podcast you know Dan and I were chatting and she asked me a few questions and I answered and it was just like oh actually what happened for me was it's like I just needed to go back out Mm -hmm. and try life and in essence sometimes I look back at it and I go oh I just needed to have more fun or just do these things and just like let go of all these things but yeah I did have some fun in there but just sitting here on the couch now after you you know we had that brief chat before this and it's just like actually it wasn't what I would call fun yeah it never is no Mm. it kind of on the outside and I you know I can be quite a control freak so I never like went to the extent or or did but it was just like this controlled part of me then just have started having these like little dabbles and just keeping it at a certain limit or Mm. um but inside of myself and my own like inner realm was just screaming and sad and you know what was it that I was reaching for what was it that I wasn't doing and you know um you know if I sit here and just like think back it was just for me I think it's always been a sense of truth like you know what is it who am I where am I going like what is this Mm -hmm. a big questioner and seeker of things Mm -hmm. and drugs and alcohol were always able to like teleport me to a place where there would just be a little bit more peace mm-hmm. well that's what we're doing essentially aren't we we're yeah. trying to find peace from an external source yeah. so that's drugs or alcohol yeah. or whatever your addiction is yeah but it's a it's it's an attempt to compensate yeah and an attempt to find the peace yeah which usually very rarely delivers or it might deliver for a bit until yeah. it becomes dysfunctional yeah yeah. yeah. So do you feel do you feel now looking back that that there was something there that was brewing for you perhaps there was you were trying to compensate for something that was missing? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And then I would have, you know, a couple of years intervals again of not drinking. I didn't ever go back to the rooms again. Mm-hmm. Um I realized for myself that that wasn't the place where I needed to be, like even if I was um, and it was really tough, you know, when I've, I've grown up in 12 steps and then I did like a decade of it, mm-hmm. there's like a real programming that happens. And I think it's an absolutely fantastic model. And I mean, look at how many people are sober in mm-hmm. the planet from it. Mm-hmm. Um, but for somebody like me, it wasn't, it wasn't the right place then, you know, yeah. going on. And so yeah. I, you know, I've always been a big believer in therapy and doing all the things I've been in therapy since I could walk as well too. Cause mm-hmm. apart from, you know, mum being a recovering alcoholic and addict she's also a um, psychologist so I've always been around Mm -hmm. and known the importance no matter how well or healthy we think we are it's like Mm -hmm. we've got to defrag and debrief somewhere absolutely I'm a big believer as well yeah what part would you I mean from my perspective and from a trauma-informed perspective I could sort of see you know the link between mum's drinking and obviously there was alcoholism on both sides of the family. So, you know, mm. passing that generational trauma 
through yeah. and it's sort of landed on you. Do you feel that that had a, a, had a big part to play? Yeah, it did have a big part to play. And it was actually what, you know, for me now, as I sit here, like I've, I've never, when I've stopped drinking before and even after that accident gone, that is it. I'm never going to have another drink. Mm -hmm. It's just like, I know that this isn't right. But on the 29th of May last year, I'm going to cry. I was like, that's it. The day before, and I've got permission from her to share this. Um, I picked up my youngest daughter, Pearl, from rehab, and she'd just done a six-week stint. Mm-hmm. Because uh, nine or ten weeks before that, um, she had a car accident, um, attempting to take her life out of it, and drove 80 kilometres an hour into a pole in Bondi. And I jumped on the plane, I got the call at three o'clock in the morning and I went there and she was in hospital and it was just, you know, I just was just like, fuck, here we are again. It just like goes on and on, just this cycle of, you know, destruction and just that addict thing because, you know, her dad is also an alcoholic and identifies as an alcoholic and is also in recovery. And my darling little Pearl was there and I just looked at her and I was just like, oh man. Mm-hmm. And I swooped her up out of Sydney and brought her back up here. And it took a while. You know, it's difficult to get into rehabs, but she knew and she was just like, I've just, I've got to go. So she went to Mirakai and it was amazing for her. And how old's Pearl? So on the 29th of May, it's her birthday and she was 21. And I got her out on the 28th last year. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we I just was I just I knew that I needed for her like to just you know just be there in solidarity with her and just go you know it's enough for me to um so I yeah the day before I I think I'd had like a a beer or something in the afternoon and I knew the next day that that would that was going to be it so that I could just be there for her and just so she had that you know support back from her mum too and Mm. yeah how's she going yeah, she's not, she's, you know, she's not ready to stop yet completely, mm-hmm. but she is nowhere near with what she was. And, you know, some other substances were also addictive for her too. So she's completely um, abstinent from those, but not from alcohol. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think, it, you know, she's got a journey to go, but she's definitely not in the place that she was. And she learned a lot going to rehab and has an amazing support system around her. But for me, it was enough to go, you know what it is, it's time for me to, to stop that generational thing of not, not going, you know, yes or no mm-hmm. to certain things. And it was, and for me, it's just a clean, no, and I know that I won't now. It's like, there's, it's for me, alcohol, there's like, there's not one good thing about it, even medicinally, even ceremonially, even with all of those things. I think that horse is bolted with, you know, for me, the way humans operate and with what we've got going on in and around ourselves in the world now, it's just, yeah, it's got a lot to answer for. Oh, my God, yes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I love that just, you know, just making that decision too that the it stops here, it stops yeah. here with me. And I've heard a few people yeah. say that, that they've, They've lived through it with their mm. parents and their, their parents have through it with their grandparents and, you know, it goes way back down the yeah. line. Mm. And to say that's it, it stops here mm. because it's not just the it's the, the drinking, but it's all the what comes along with it. It's yeah. the lack of connection with the children. It's the, yeah. oh God, no, you know, some horrific things happen when parents are, are drunk and not with it and not being able to watch their children properly as well. And there's so yeah. mm. such a big ripple on effect. So to say... No, it stops here. Yeah, with me and and to be able to set that example mm. for your kids yeah. is mm. huge. Yeah. Not that we want to put all that on ourselves, but yeah, I think that um, it's a pretty powerful message to send. So, mm. but obviously, so doing that for Pearl, but how has it enriched? How has it worked for you? Like this this year that you've been you've been over a year now sober. So how did How's it changed things for you and the way in which you show up in the world? And oh, dramatically, I think just having that decision and just like when you when you see your children, ah, oh, you know, you, you, your babies and these little beings that you raise, and you see the destruction that can happen and the different things, and then it's just like you know, what is my part in that? Mm-hmm. What 
I know that I'm not responsible and I can't control it, but it's like, what is my part as her mother? You know, and I've also got another daughter, Ali, and she's, um, you know, I'm a grandmother now as well too. To ha- she's had a baby. What? Yeah. <laughs> you look about the age of my kids. <laughs> you look very youthful. You, yeah. How old are you? Uh, 43. Wow. Yeah. yeah. You're younger than me. Yeah. And no, I've, yeah. I've crammed in. A lot. Yeah. I'm I'm a crammer in life. I've always had that, you know, thing of, you know, I do, I'm a big believer in taking big juicy bites out of life and yeah. And just seeking, you know, truth as it is for myself. And Mm -hmm. when you look at your children and you can see them doing and repeating the patterns, you know, this intergenerational trauma and shit that we do, it's just like, no. Yeah. And also like Pearl winding up in hospital Mm. with a car. I know it's a different, totally different circumstance and you weren't in hospital, but it's like the same thing that alcohol has created. Yeah. Whether it sounds like she must've had some stress and stuff going on as well, but that also fuels that. Yeah, it does. And it's just, you know, the culture and what I look around, like I, I just am always blown away now. Like Mm -hmm. whip. Worldwide, I understand, you know, alcoholism and the drinking culture has been huge, but it's it feels really different with this last generation in particular. Mm-hmm. You know, my daughter's age bracket, you know, from like 18 to say 25, mm-hmm. what they're drinking and how they're drinking is really different. And it's got this different edge. And then now all the other drugs that they've got access to. I know, that's the scary part. It's terrifying. Yeah, it's you almost know, it's, like there's two schools there's like i'm seeing heaps of young kids that aren't interested at all and they don't want to touch it yeah and then there's this other you know that are just yeah full on and they're just going for it with just very little self-respect yeah which we were like right yeah i was that person yeah no respect for myself and just you know and doing everything that came along with it yeah 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 so okay so also because of your line of work, so we haven't gone into that yet, but you are a, I guess, a funeral director or funeral... Yeah, I like say? to I like to call myself... I don't like to think of myself as directing anything. Yeah. So I'm, I have um, paperback death care and home funerals. So I do death and am a funeral guide mm-hmm. is what would feel. And it's more yeah. like an... It's more of a holistic approach to death. Um, yeah, it... Um, so I'm... I like to describe it like it's like a little I, I envisage myself and with what I've created with how it is it's like a little paperback pontoon mm-hmm. that comes in you know pre-death and after death for families and the person who's dying or has died and just floats at a time of you know that can be great stress and death has been something that's been really um pushed away for the last three generations and turned into businesses and different things so it's like about just coming in and taking care of our own in our own homes Mm. and just doing it ourselves yeah not handing over to a traditional funeral director and rushing something that really needs to be a a slow and present it's a rite of passage and one of the most important so yeah yeah did you work with zenith yeah 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 she was incredible around the time of when my dad died and just to just give me some you know just bits of advice and one of her the most beautiful things that she gave me was that when dad goes you don't need to ring anyone you Mm -hmm. don't need to get on the phone and get anyone you know get him taken away spend some time with him yeah and that's exactly what we did i know this might sound a bit morbid for and oh, very off topic for this podcast but what was beautiful is that we did dad passed and then we kept him at home for about 10 hours and and i know you can do longer yeah but um that was what sort of felt right for us mm. and we just got in bed with him and we washed him and kissed him and listened to his music and it was most, mm. no one was drinking, no one was, and I'm a fam, like my family, big drinkers, but it was just the most beautiful time mm. and it lets it settle in your nervous system, you know, just like she said, you know, if they've gone, just have a cup of tea with them, sit with yeah. them and talk to them and, you know, just be with them rather than get them shipped off yeah. so quickly. And um, I think, yeah, it's, I mean, that's a whole other topic, as I say, but that was beautiful. Zenith is amazing. Mm. And it's, um, it's great that you worked. Yeah, yeah. Zen is a dear friend as well, too. And over the years before I, you know, set up Paperbark, we, you know, numerous deaths together. And 
she'd always really encourage me to saying, you really, you really should be doing death, Haley, and it was a you know series of events such a weird (laughs) yeah (laughs) but it's interesting like if I think about like death and alcohol and alcoholism and the thing I actually do think there is quite there's there's something that's connected there because Mm. alcoholism for me and with what we're usually drinking it's usually grief related that's what I was gonna say yeah so and a lot of our grief and it's so important and I'm just such a big 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 believer in it's so important to have children more involved in death Mm -hmm. even if it's we we only ever die one of two ways we either die slowly or we die quickly Mm -hmm. so with the slowly it's expected it's usually cancer or another disease and so there's a there's a time of preparation but even in that preparation in our culture we still remain really quiet and don't inform our children and or our teens like exactly what's going on Mm -hmm. and then if it's a sudden you know an accidental death I don't believe in accidents anyway and I love the way Zen puts it it's just you know death by misadventure (laughs) so even with those it's really important to have contact with those bodies Mm. and for some people they're just like oh I can't look or touch or smell or like that's just like such a thing and it's just like no you know we've forgotten you know we are actually rock apes Mm. underneath it and there's a part of our brain that actually has to see touch and smell our dead for it actually to register in our brain because otherwise Mm. we never allow a healthy grieving and bereavement process to happen we might know in our mind like oh yep that person's passed but if you haven't seen or smelt or touched or actually had contact with that body there's a part that is forever yearning and not having a sense of peace and acceptance arrive. Yeah, that's so true. There's a lot of movement happening and a lot of people like me that are like sprouting up around the place in various countries, but there's a long way to go for normalizing Mm. death care practices in our own homes on our own terms. Yeah. Yeah. And when um, you are all there and you're all present, I think there's less, like I said, no one drank. My family, mm. like I said, they're all big drinkers. No one drank a drop that yeah. day. It was so incredible. Yeah. And I thought that was really beautiful as well that they weren't, you know. Cause yeah. So what is it about like death? And then obviously I know there's a lot of people, you know, that have experienced loss and they feel that the only way that they can get through that loss is through alcohol. And could you speak to that? What would you say about that? Yeah, it's funny. I mean, obviously, you know, over this past year and all the, you know, home funerals and traditional funerals and the different things I've been involved with, you know, creating the families, I'm always making an alcohol-free event. If you, you can, you, you I, know, that's the first thing, and I explain why, you know, and, and often it'll be, oh no, that's not right. We need to have wine and things there, but you know, definitely when we're like bedside and doing um, a vigil or those sorts of things, and it and it wakes. But a couple of families have really embraced that, and for families to come and just to drink, you know, that person's favorite tea. You know, we had one where it was we served his favorite milkshake. Oh, that's gorgeous! Because it's honoring of the person and not you know, with what the alcohol represents. Cause it's like, I understand that people use alcohol in a celebratory way, but that's also something I think that's been programmed in us that we need alcohol to celebrate. And it's mm. like, no, actually it's, you know, at a time of death and awake and a funeral, it's a time to like really rest back in our bones and be with the feelings that are coming and allowing that whatever it looks like, let it be snot, tears, blubbering, quietly mm. sitting. It's just the ceremonial practices of what healthy death care needs to needs to really return and be respected and honored mm. so mm-hmm. i yeah i'm always i like, love that yeah. you know it's about because really when we're grieving and we're going to the alcohol which is understandable why people do i get that 100 yeah. percent. you know that they don't want to feel that pain but it's inf- you know it's grief is really an expression of of love and how mm. much you love that person and um, to sit and squash it with alcohol, I don't think, I don't know. Yeah. Some people may feel that they need the alcohol to express the grief, but. But isn't that authentic. the story we all tell it, tell ourselves about alcohol? You know, it's just, I think that's the, that's the thing. And, you know, and it, there's been some beautiful 
such beautiful um, funerals in the last couple of weeks in particular where, the, you know, these families have said, you know, okay, this is an alcohol-free event and, you know, wow. we're making that person's favourite meal and drinks and it's like oh. going right there with what that person is and not not advice and sure these people may not have been alcoholic but it's just with what it brings a different energy and element into a space that really needs to be honoring of of life and that person Mm -hmm. without the distraction of alcohol and drinking absolutely because i've been at plenty of funerals and plenty of wakes where it has ended up in this big like party Uh, yeah it's like hang on this is not i mean Mm. it's a bizarre thing it's like weddings and funerals it's like in the back of many people's minds are great free food and a free alcohol it's going to be a big party and a lot of them do end up being that and quite a write-off like i so many people tell me about all sorts of stories at funerals for that you know and the fights that happen how many fights happen at a funeral because it brings out the best and worst and then if you're putting alcohol in it it's just a recipe for chaos absolutely there was one um a friend of mine who was on the podcast ages ago um gabby christmas and she her dad had passed they're all big drinkers and she's been sober for quite a while and she's gone to his wake and it's her dad's wake but everyone around her is getting smashed and hammered and she's just like this doesn't feel right so she left she left and just went home i guess and honored him I guess her own way. Everyone does it differently. And so we're not sitting here in judgment yeah. of how people grieve. But I think grief processes in a much healthier way when we're not squashing it down yeah. with alcohol. And I really love, you know, the Indigenous practices around that too and just like really deeply honouring and staying connected and not going to parties or putting mm. yourself in. It's like to really allow yourself to go inward for three moon cycles mm. from whatever date of, you know, death whatever the moon was in for your person and to just really Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile with the price of just about everything going up during inflation we thought we'd bring our prices down so to help us we brought in a reverse auctioneer which is apparently a thing Mint Mobile unlimited premium wireless ready to get 30 30 ready to get 30 ready to get 20 20 20 ready to get 20 20 ready to get 15 15 15 15 just 15 bucks a month so give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If. Only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Come back into contact with that and with our natural surroundings and what's speaking to us through nature mm-hmm. and um yeah that's amazing you just mm. had a podcast on death I, it, it, amazing yeah. and all you know people's yeah. stories there's what's that book that zenith put out i read it um when dad was dying i heard the one that she wrote yeah yeah um, all the people's stories and stuff yeah on de- on death and dying yeah it's a great yeah. Great book, and you can yeah. just order it through her website. I'll put it in the um, show notes. But yeah, so tell me with with your journey going back there to your yeah. journey with alcohol, in, yeah. even in this last twelve months, what did you? How did you get through like those initial times of, you know, getting through those early on when you were used to out of habit, I guess, drinking? Yeah. And how did you kind of navigate your way through that and get through it? There was just this kind of inner knowing that happened in relation to Pearl and it was about family and where I'm going and also having, you know, a daily practice around certain things. Mm, what was yeah. the daily practice? Cause I'm bit- so for me, it's it's meditation. I've got a big resistance to like meditation and yoga and all these other things. I can find it really um, painful <laughs> 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 and certain elements of it and quite um, – I don't know, I would say bypassy certain things. So mm-hmm. for me, it's like a sit spot in nature. Mm-hmm. I um, I really love all the John Young things around, you know, animal tracking and just 
coming back into complete connection there Mm -hmm. so for me it is a form of meditation I you know Mm -hmm. but I it's yeah just sitting quietly and just being with what is here Mm -hmm. and just knowing that it's really okay to be a vulnerable human in a world gone crazy (laughs) (laughs) totally yeah Yeah. so Mm -hmm. that's definitely my Right, so just taking time to check yeah. in and be with yeah, nature. Yeah, yeah, and I usually I do morning pages. I love the morning pages. They yeah. come up a lot lately in the podcast. That's yeah. through um, the artist way. Yeah, yeah, I really feel that that is such a powerful way. And you know, putting the pen in. I'm a right-handed, so you put the pen in your left hand, then just go for it on three pages and don't lift it off and just like just get all that funk and dross out. It really does something for me. And I have an altar that I'm always, I always spend, you know, sometimes a few minutes or sometimes it might be an hour with and yeah. What's in your altar? I've got pictures of my grandmas. Mm -hmm. I've got pictures of um, scenes and things that uh, just bring me a lot of peace and that I feel connected to. I've got candles and skulls and snakeskins and <laughs> bones and all sorts of so Bimby right crazy, now. <laughs> creepy, deathy things. Um, That's great. Uh, yeah. yeah. I remember Wayne Dyer talking about that, that everyone should have a little altar set yeah. up in the corner of their house and... Yeah. I think that's a really nice practice. So that's beautiful. So talk to me a bit more about the morning pages. So why the opposite hand? Because I think it's, I think the way that she describes it in the book too, it's like to do with the left, right sides of the brain. And Mm. it's just like with that, you know, with our right, it's like that logical and we're doing, but whereas the left, it's just like letting all the funk out. Mm. And it's just like all... You know, sometimes I'll even be writing. I've got no fucking idea what I'm writing. It's just got to come out. I've just, and then it'll be like some random thing or like mm. something that's here for me to look at that day or tend to that I'm maybe like blocking or yeah. avoiding or, yeah. and yeah. And then I burn them at the end of each week as well. Oh, that's great. Yeah. yeah. I love that too. Yeah, be, I'd be very concerned if someone went through my journals and found my morning pages. I'd be like, whoa, that's one twisted sister. <laughs> That's the thing. A lot of people do worry about that stuff. I say to people I work with, just, you know, especially yeah. if you're writing down things that you need to forgive yourself for, yeah. um, burn it at the yeah. end. You know, it doesn't yeah. need to stay there and make it a ceremony, you know, of, yeah. of letting go perhaps of that thing. Yeah. Um, mm. I think that's lovely. I haven't done any um, train of consciousness type writing for a while, but I must do that. It's a good reminder because I love that. Yeah. I love how you can start with, I might just start with, apple because i might be looking at apple yeah and then just go from there and it's it usually always comes back there's some childhood shit in there that (laughs) comes up every time yeah you know and these amazing kind of realizations come out it's i'd Mm. challenge anyone to give that a go so you know just have a look at something pick any object in the room this is how i do it i don't know how you do it Hayley, Mm. but um, and just start writing. Just go. Set your timer for three minutes and yeah. just see what comes out. And yeah. don't don't judge yourself. Don't try and make it sound scholarly. Just go yeah, for it. yeah. And it is. And you do, and you literally don't pick your pen up off the paper. Yeah. There's right. no gaps between the words. It's just like all out. Apart from when you've got to turn the page. Okay, I haven't done yeah. that. Where yeah. I just sort of go, but maybe I'll try that as well. Yeah. Hmm. Amazing. So, okay, so that sounds like a beautiful mm. daily practice. And have you found it hard? Was there expectations as well, perhaps, around when people have died, if the family does want to drink? Do you feel, or is there any times where you feel a slight pressure to drink with people? Not in, in the death socially? space when I'm doing that, but socially and with friends, it can come up. Mm. You know, I can really sense with from a few close friends and. Um, lover, it, it it had got quite intense for them, and yep. the resentment of me, you know, not being part of the just the flow or the party of, and the, with whatever was happening. Mm. Um, but my, it's just it's just not a not good negotiable, and it doesn't. It used to. I remember I, like the first time I ever did a big stint, it was different. But this time I've got like a different strength, and it's just like, well, if you're going to have a problem and get pissed with this, then like, see ya. I'm like, 
I'm not here to pacify or do that for you. Under that, though, there's definitely been owies of like me feeling like, wow, these are really good friends of me at mine. Are they really like this kind of judgmental or this uncomfortable with me being sober? Mm. Um, yeah. It just begs the question of how, firstly, it's always, it's about, usually it's shining a light on their stuff. Yeah. But how often we, we would, we would uh, compromise ourselves or just drink because maybe trying to keep other people happy or because there was an expectation to do that. Mm. And I noticed just, it's about sort of also, okay, what's, what's really happening for me now? Like what's really going on for me Mm. inside you know, from their reaction, from, from how they're reacting to my choices. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like just recently um, I'd organized an event and I was feeling, it's funny because I kind of think, oh yeah, no, I've, I've got this now, I'm good. And then, you know, always something will come up which challenges that, you know, and so feeling really anxious around that and feeling nervous about the social situation and wanting to keep people happy. Now I wasn't at all wanting to drink but I noticed this nervousness in me mm. about I'm like what is going on and Linda my good friend said what's you know what's this all about and I'm like I don't know I just I feel like I've got to keep everyone happy mm. and I realized that looking back that so much of my drinking was about trying to keep other people happy because there's this expectation yeah that Danny's going to bring the party Danny's the party girl and I don't even know if they even had that expectation of me. I'm kind of deciding that they had the expectation, but they probably fucking didn't. But what I'm getting at is that, you know, what is it in us that's, that's, yeah, what is it about their reaction that's firing something in me? Mm. It's never really about them. It's about what's happening for me internally. Or, yeah. So that uncomfortable that you would feel if you felt any unease, mm. was there a tend- like a tendency to want to keep them happy yeah I think now with I'm pretty clear and I don't there's a a strength that I never had before yeah yeah but there can still be this there's a part of me that that's still you know that really I kind of call it that there's that always that happens of just like oh gosh really because I I relate to what you said too because I was always like you know Hayley the party girl too and I was an instigator and come on but Mm -hmm. what I've realized about myself and you know being clean for big chunks of it that's still there and I'm still that person I still am an instigator I love play I love adventure I love dancing I love doing all of those things Mm -hmm. you know I just I just did use you know sex drugs and rock and roll and alcohol and all those things to like turn up the volume because that was Mm. who I innately was anyway Mm. so it's like coming back and taking away those things but still being that playful human that you know Mm. do you find that you can still play and do all those things totally sober yeah Mm -hmm. yeah I find though now I have to do it in environments though that aren't too you know too too alcohol fueled or drug like I'm definitely more sensitive so it's more about me kind of creating that with a few friends whether we have like a something we create something at home or go dancing you know Mm. to one of the many dancing things that we've got access to around here that are drug and alcohol free events or yeah or if it's like at a festival or one of those things I can put like the the shutters down around myself. Although I did really struggle at Blues Fest this year, I have to say. Yeah. One thing with Blues Fest I'm disappointed with, and I'd like to actually contact Peter Noble, I think I will, that there was not a lot of options, alcohol-free options available and for people. And I got a lot of messages too from people saying, "Um, do you know where I can get some alcohol-free options here? And I'm like, no. Even in the the back room with the writers, there was some um, some coconut water and things like that for the artists mm. but yeah what was it about the blue about blues fest that triggered you do you think well I think you know gosh we've been in lockdown for a couple of years so it was just that was my first kind of big outing in amongst yeah. that sea of humans and you know I've I just I really I didn't I don't think I put the shutters down and like put my invisible cloak on yeah. <laughs> thick and buttoned up tight enough mm-hmm. so I was really I, I felt just a lot of really toxic alcoholism happening and lots of young like it was I just remember just looking out numerous times at every direction that I looked and it was just a sea of smashed people a sea of smashed 
Yeah. <laughs> Little Haley. <and laughs> yeah. <Sister. laughs> yeah. I was the same. Um, after one yeah. of Ash's shows, I went out into the audience, like out yeah. into the where everyone is. And I was like, I went to meet a friend out there because she was out there and she's like, you know, come and see me. And so I did and I spent a little bit and I was just like, I've got to go. Like, yeah, it was just insane. It was carnage. It was it was fine during the day. Yeah. But by night time, I see why a lot of sobries and yeah. would want to go. <laughs> yeah. It's really intense. It's it like was. walking around Byron over Saturday night. I can't yeah, stand it. Yeah, no, me too. And it's so funny because I went with a couple of friends and I needed to wait for them because I was obviously the designated driver because they were drinking. And I was just, I've actually, I'm out. And I went, I've, I call her Black Mamba. She's my black van who I do my body moving in. And um, so it's set up in the back, you know. for Your van? Yeah. So right. it's got like a body stretch and all the things you need to do to move dead bodies around. Oh, so no, but this is so funny. Like I actually, I don't I want said, to lift in that. <laughs> I want, I said, I'm out. It's really, it's lovely. It's actually quite beautiful. <laughs> I can show you after. Um, I le- And I just said to them, look, you know where the car is, I'll be there, I'll be waiting. And I actually went and I got into the back and I just laid on the stretcher and, and it's quite a comfy little bed. And I was just laying there. I was like, this is what my life has now become. Like um, I'm at a festival. I can't stand being around the alcoholism and now I'm just laying in the death man out the back waiting for my friends. <laughs> Whereas I used to be the girl inside doing carry, you know, and it's just like, you know, and, it, and I'm cool with that now and it's okay yeah and it's so true it's becoming okay with it like yeah. and letting that be like don't be so like you know if there's resistance that comes up about it just try and just be okay with it yeah that's what you really want yeah you know that's what you're needing is just that time out so yeah you know don't fight that yeah you feel like i've got to stay the distance or i've got to prove something to people you know that i can still party well maybe you just can't no and I definitely can't in some ways in some environments, but I'm okay to be there and just, you know, get resourceful and go crash out in the van for a while and wait for them, you know. Sleep in the death van. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Black Mamba. Black Mamba. That's a classic. Um, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm loving – I'm actually going to try and go this Thursday to Five Rhythms Dance. Mm. And if anyone's listening don't know what that is, check it out online. There'd be a Five Rhythms near you where yeah. you can go and they're – well, I didn't see anyone drinking or taking no, drugs, but no. it's definitely not encouraged. But it's just to go and dance and move, mm. and it really pushed my boundaries to go there. For one, it's a fucking long time to dance, and I realised that my friend Jeannie, I always said, you don't have to dance the whole time. You can sit yeah. down. But to go and dance and move with other people without being drunk, yeah, it was really amazing. And I just thought, wow, you know, and years ago, ceremonially, we would have got together and, and danced yeah. without... Or they may have taken plant medicine, but, you know, they they danced mm. together in community and sang and did all these things. And then suddenly alcohol comes in and yeah. we can only dance and sing together if we're wasted. So it's really nice to go back to that, yeah. just to be in community and dancing together with people. Yeah. Just, just, just cause. Yep. It's really beautiful. Yeah. I loved it. And it definitely pushed my boundaries. I was definitely had to shut my eyes a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it was like, okay, this is interesting. But once I shut my eyes and I just get into it and just dance in my own little spot and yeah, it didn't, you know, yeah, amazing. It's a really cool thing to do. Mm. So I love that, you know, just that acceptance of meeting yourself where you're at yeah. is really mm. essentially what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and what else, like, has there been any other you know, like self-realization or anything that, you know, in reconnecting back to yourself that you've found has happened along this journey in this last 12 months? Has there been any big aha moments for you? I think it was, yeah, there definitely has. And I just think with, you know, with where I've kind of, where it's propelled me with paper bark and with what I'm doing, it's just, it's just really has kept coming back to this sense of, truth for myself and like what is it that I'm here to do like what am I in service to because this like you know it's just this isn't about me Mm -hmm. this is about like a I kind of see us you know I've got a I don't I see us all we're just all like we're all just like little lost farts in a perfume factory (laughs) 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 and it's Mm -hmm. like you know finding our way with what I don't know with what the truth is and what that essence is, is for, you know, Mm. and I've always been a really, you know, I've definitely a humanitarian hearted person, you know, all, 
all my work and careers have always been in service to humanitarian things, you know, mm. be it, you know, the children, preschool teaching, the death work, the care that I've done in Indigenous communities, all of these different things. Even, you know, like I had a, a big stint of time as working in the sex industry. You have it's, done it all. Yeah, I crammed, baby. <laughs> You are cramming life. Yeah, but it's, the, you know, making the decision to do paperback and to be clean and sober again, it was just like, I'm in service to death. Sex and death has been my thing, you know, and when I say sex, I'm not talking about sex as in the actual act of it, but just what that is around birth and children and just that whole, mm. that level of, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm all about, I don't know. It's like the two ends of the spectrum it almost, is. isn't it? It's like yeah. this creation. Yeah. Yeah. What would you call it? The just the end, I yeah, or the, the rebeginning, yeah. I guess it's a rebirth, in, yeah. Depending on who, yeah, you're like because is there any such thing as death and dying? You know, mm. our physical body does, but we don't know what actually. It's the greatest mystery of all, where we've yeah. come from and where we're going. Yeah, and yeah. it's you know, there's that thing of you know, and I'm just so grateful that I did get clean and sober again, and just go because you know we never, we never know who we are until we really are honest with where we're from. Mm. Oh, yes. And so braving that and like looking at family history and with all of those things, it's just, yeah, I still have no idea who I am and where I'm going, but I know what I'm not Mm. and what I don't want in my life anymore. That's really clear. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that is so beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. And these two ends of life too, you know, we've got the beginning of our own lives, our beginning, we've got our end, we know that there's going to be an end, that's without question, we're all going to get to our end, and making it count what's in the mm. middle, you know, this life is so very, very short, really, so when you short. think about it, and so it's too short to be wasted, it's too precious, you know, yeah. you mm. want to take the big chunks out of life. Yeah, and don't lose it all yeah. in drinking, and you know, you lose so much of this, the kind of goodness, the juicy bits of life get so watered down mm. from alcohol. I don't know if that makes sense. It, it's it is watering it down, even though yeah, it's, you know, we lose so much life with alcohol. And yeah, I mean, for me, I see alcohol is poison. Yeah, I don't have it's not a, a you know like for some people it's like my medicine it's a thing I only have a little I'm just like it, it, there's there's not w- one good thing yeah about alcohol yeah yeah I would that, agree and I hate to get too preachy because yeah. I always say like unless you know if you've got a problem with it but even still like even you know for the one glass what like what the fuck for if you're yeah. the person that can have one glass oh, why I guess maybe they it's medicinal but is it I well, know. I think it then just becomes that psychologically. It's just like having a Prozac. Mm-hmm. And then the habit of that, even if it like might be, right. it's it's just like forever like numbing or putting a button on something. And, you know, people say, I just have like one or two beers every afternoon and that's just like my come down. And it's just like, come down from what? What do you need to come down from? Right. And what's going in inside, yeah. what's going on inside you that you need to have the come down? And why can't we resource that internally ourselves? Like, yeah. I think that, this is all about trying to resource within ourselves whatever it is that we're needing to soothe. Yeah. You know, yeah. if we can kind of answer that for ourselves, where, yeah. you know, it's save a whole lot of pain yeah. and misery because, you know, and like you say, if you, yeah, what, if we're only having one glass or two glasses, yeah, but why, why do you need that? Why yeah. do I need that? Mm. So yeah, without getting too preachy, it's got to you've got to ask the question right yeah so it sounds like you yeah it's just been a it's like a beautiful journey as is with everyone yeah I find that if the white knuckle people that aren't doing the deeper work that aren't connecting with nature or asking the big questions of who am I Mm. I mean that's such a huge question that's a different story that's not Mm. the same journey but this you can make this sobriety journey one that's so beautiful and rich and full of teaching and so much goodness if we can stop and ask the bigger questions yeah and connect yeah and i think just really giving ourselves permission to play and create Mm. and how important that is you know like with what we said about dancing but just like doing those creative things and things with our hands and just diverting our energy instead of like all the ruminating we do as humans and in our heads it's like sever the head what's going on in my body 
let's go for a swim or a walk or create or paint or like learn that thing yeah bring the play back yeah yeah it's you know we're we're monkeys we need to play you know and just these these isolated worlds we live in with our families and our things we just like we've drawn back so far but it's like you know it's that's the thing with you know ritual and with death and with all the different things that we need to bring back and that sense of community and yeah it's just this whole experience like whether it's death, whether it's birth, whether yeah. it's play, like it's actually experiencing what's happening and not numbing out to it. Yeah. Not mm. numbing out to these experiences that we're being presented and even yeah. the shit ones. Yeah. You know, there's plenty of shit that goes on yeah. every day and it's all around us, but to what's the point of trying to block it and not see it yeah. and not feel it, you know, feel it. Yeah. That's what it's there for. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And just watching, you know, just that attachment to it, you know, where, do, I mean, what's the, I, I'm, what's the greatest addiction in the world suffering 100% and misery I think you know misery loves company every it's just like we get you know we've programmed our brains whether it you know through all the different vices and things but I think underneath that there's the addiction to suffering underneath before we pick up that drink or that drug or the thing because that's how Mm. we've been you know programmed and it's not but it is also up to us to now go, mm, actually, you know, I think there's enough information around and things circling now for us to go, yeah, okay, what am I responsible for here? What do I need to do? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And that's right. There is so much, there's so much suffering that goes on because also because of our own, like our likes and our dislikes. I don't yeah. like that. I don't like that. That makes me uncomfortable. I don't want to do that. Yeah. You know, and just having preferences and yeah. you know and then a wanting for things you know and expectations it causes so much fucking suffering if we yeah. could let it go yeah then we'd be much better off for yeah. it when i grew up my mum one of her therapy things she'd always had the thing like on the old phones remember we don't we don't even see phones in houses anymore <laughs> but it was on the handle where you picked you know and it's on every phone in every house and i lived in a lot because we've spent a lot of time traveling and doing geographicals all around the place was expectations are premeditated resentments expectations are premeditated resentments oh yeah yeah wow so whenever i would always and from when i was little i was always like what does that even mean but now it's like that's something that stayed and that's what you know just that thing you know how much you know back to that suffering thing like how many expectations we put upon ourselves and other people for how things should be well, that's where we get ourselves into trouble because when yeah. we're fighting with our reality, when we're yeah. fighting with what life is giving us and we don't like it and we yeah. fight against it, I don't want this, I don't like yeah. it, it feels uncomfortable. And then if we're using alcohol to numb that, yeah. it's 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 only exacerbating this. It, you know, you're blocking up this sort of these feelings that are there where if you were to not take the drink, yeah. if you were to not take the smoke or the shove the food in your face, and just experience what it is that life's trying to offer, Yeah, then life is so much richer. Mm. And it might not be as you wanted it, mm. but it's it's an experience. And we're here to experience, yeah. right? Not yeah. to fucking numb out. Yeah. Yeah, God. And pain's part of the program. Pain is part of the program, unfortunately. Yeah. But and it is beautiful. Not unfortunately even because there's – yeah. It's where the good growth comes from. Yeah. Oh, my God, don't get me started. I could talk about this stuff. Yeah, okay. <laughs> days – I, I'm just into this, ex, you know, experiencing and mm. surrendering. I, I revisited Michael Singer's book, The Untethered Soul, again recently. It's part of my – I read that book. Have you read it? No. Oh, my God. you got to read that book. Okay. It's just yeah. so beautiful and so rich in this kind of conversation about, you know, and he's big into just – he's also got a book, The Surrender Experiment. We're just, oh, okay. And yeah, yeah. I've read, read that. that. Yeah, that's great. Well, his yeah. other one, The Untethered Soul, is even better. Yeah. But just to flow with what comes, yeah. to not tighten up and to not close close up when a situation arises, just stay open yeah. and breathe and let it pass through yeah. and experience it. Surrender to it. Don't yeah. fight it. And then, you know, and then if that fighting it is leading to other problem behaviors, then we've got to kind of peel it back a bit and go, can I just be with what is well Hayley thank you so much for coming on and and sharing your story and I just love everything that you do I think what you're offering especially Mm. in this death space is incredible 
Um, Zenith is also incredible. Zenith Virago, mm. I think you can Google her name. And she's got some Death Walker training coming up in Melbourne, actually. Which yeah, was- it's actually her last one. I know. Yeah. Like, what she's, the hell? In Warrenwood. Yeah, I think, well, you know, she's been doing it for a long time and it's she's definitely passed the reins. I feel like she's passed a lot of reins over to me as well too in certain realms with it all as well. Mm. And and she's made some really great online offerings so yes, that are always has. up to do, but the in-person ones are – she's got some other interests and passions that are starting to, yeah. you know. She's yeah. dedicated though, like what, 30, 40 years She's just incredible. To death, yeah. She is so amazing. She's so, And there's also a great documentary. I have to put links in the show notes because yeah. I can't remember off the top of my head about her and her journey and how she kind of started on this whole, you know, informing people and yeah. showing a different way of, of doing death. Mm. She's, she's just such a remarkable person. I said to her, caught up with her recently with some friends. We went and had lunch. And I was just like, Zenith, I just want to lay at your feet and hear you speak. Yeah. <laughs> like, I just... She's just the most incredible. She is. Different sort of a human who cares not about what people think. At all. <laughs> there are no fucks given. <laughs> not a fuck is given ever. And, and if someone gives some to her, you want to be ready for what's coming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah. if you're wondering about this human that we're talking about, Zenith Virago, check her yeah. out. Just Google her and you'll. Yeah, she's the um, founder of the Natural Death Care Centre of Australia, which is an amazing resource for people to mm. be linked up with doulas or, you know, alternative funeral directors and, mm. yeah, just all the information on yeah. death and dying in Australia. Yeah, and like I say, there's links to her courses, which come out in August, I think. I was even thinking, considering doing one, not that I'm interested in doing death walking. No, but just for yourself. Just to have yeah. more informed yeah, you know, just to be more informed around it, and just to hear her speak. Yeah, I was just, I was just like, and then she came the other night and did a beautiful ceremony here with a couple of other friends around the flood, like some flood mm. healing ceremony. Beautiful. And I was just like, how blessed and beautiful. And there was not a not a drop of alcohol drunk that night, and we shared a meal and we just spoke and just so lucky. And I think if I was drinking, I wouldn't have those experiences. Mm. I wouldn't be open to something like that. Yeah, and to have such an amazing human come into my orbit and just to be able to sit and she's delivering this beautiful healing speech in my yeah. lounge room. I just would never have been open to that before. I would have been like, nah, put some cold chisel on and <laughs> fuck off. Listen to K-San or heal yeah. me. <laughs> Which it does sometimes. Yeah. I love chisel still. Yeah. But you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, there's so much um, I yeah. missed out on so much richness that I missed out on just through that drinking and not being open to other people. Yeah. I actually said that to my like last challenge group of, you know, writing a list of people that you may have avoided when you were drinking so much because you thought they were boring perhaps Mm. or, you know, not quite your cup of tea because they didn't drink or they had too many cups of tea and try connecting with those people, you know, making those, you know, connections to those people that you probably avoided in the past or didn't give much time to. Mm. So that's a really beautiful thing to do. But anyway, mm. Hayley Halloran, thank you so much for coming into You're the welcome. studio today. Gorgeous. Thank you. Bye. Bye. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you 
you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.